Hello, I'm Connor Pope, and this is In the News from the Irish Times, where we take a close look at the stories that matter. Today, how concerned should we be by the increasingly violent and abusive rhetoric coming from some COVID conspiracy theorists? This summer, a small group of COVID-19 conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers have been abusing and harassing people that they accuse of betraying Ireland. Politicians, doctors, journalists and business owners have all been caught in the crosshairs. The activists have not found any real support among the public, but the increasingly violent and unhinged rhetoric coming from some people and from some groups in recent weeks is a cause of concern for the authorities. Conor Gallagher has been following this story for the Irish Times. Connor, there's been a significant escalation in the rhetoric coming from the COVID conspiracy groups in recent weeks. Can you tell us what's been happening? So there's been opposition to the government response to COVID pretty much since the, the start of the pandemic. And that opposition has come in all shapes and sizes, from protests to legal challenges. And very occasionally it's turned kind of nasty, such as uh, we saw violence at a, a protest in Grafton Street uh, at the start of the year. However, since the vaccine pass system was introduced at the start of last month, and this is the system that will allow pubs and restaurants to reopen indoors to people who are vaccinated and have a pass to show they're vaccinated. Since that was introduced, the temperature has has gotten higher in some quarters and it's gotten higher both in both online rhetoric and in offline rhetoric, such as at the various protests that has happened. So what we've seen is we've seen an increase in in threats made online and offline towards public figures. And what's a new phenomenon since the start of the pandemic, um, the targeting of businesses such as pubs and restaurants who have decided to sign up or to go along with the government's vaccine cert, which is the vast majority of, of premises. And why have restaurants been targeted in this campaign? So when the vaccine search system was passed last month, it generated a huge amount of anger and that anger came from a lot of sectors. I think the entire, almost the entire opposition voted against it. Lots of businesses were dead against it. They said it was unworkable. I don't think we have decent polling figures on it, but I would wager it was one of the more unpopular COVID measures brought in by the government. So that left restaurants and, and, and pubs with a choice. Would they open under what they would see as, or some of them would see as an imperfect system that they don't necessarily agree with? Or would they stay closed until everyone could be admitted and then keep their staff out of work and, and you know, just um, keep losing money? So the vast majority decided to reopen. And I think most people understood this, even people opposed to the, the vaccine search system and understood their decision to reopen. But for a small subset of, say, the more extreme opponents of the whole system, this was seen as a betrayal and a betrayal worthy of a kind of vengeance. And Connor, do we know who's behind this campaign? As is usual with these types of things, there's no one leader. But uh, I think it's fair to say a lot of it is coming from the kind of far right end of the spectrum and the anti-vaccination end of the spectrum. It's a fairly amorphous group. or They're very active on Telegram. A lot of it can be traced back to one popular Irish conspiracy theorist who has a very popular YouTube channel. It was bad enough you had to show your digital ID that you had been double needle-crafted. But you are now expected to give your home phone number. And he put up one video which has been shared very widely. Let's unleash hell. How do we do this? Very simply. There's this thing called TripAdvisor and other sites. 
destroyed him on TripAdvisor and other sites. One star, bad review. I know it's unethical, but they're unethical. They're, 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 they're implementing a vaccine apartheid. Um, and then he encourages people to name businesses that should be boycotted in the comments below. And then, you know, you've 300 comments, a good portion of them listing businesses that should be uh, that should be review bombed. Uh, there's also Facebook groups that have been established to 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 share these. And it's impossible to tell who is behind uh, those groups in a lot of cases. But some of them have massive followings. There's one that has more than 50,000 members. And uh, they've even promised to picket the worst offenders, as they call them. So, you know, they're going to protest outside these businesses, they claim. And how is that vengeance being imposed? How how are the restaurants being targeted and what impact has it had on those restaurants? There's four strands here, as far as I can see. Um, the first strand is organised boycotts. So lists of uh, restaurants and bars that are going to adhere to the rules or are adhering to the rules have appeared across social media on Facebook, Twitter, Telegram, and these uh, with people urging um, followers to boycott these uh, businesses, never darken their door again because they are betraying the rights of you know unvaccinated people is what these people would say. The second strand is fake bookings, and this is a real concern for for restaurants in recent weeks. We've heard from the Restaurant Association of Ireland that restaurants have been targeted by malicious fake bookings by people opposed to the system, that um, some places have been hit with 50 or 60 fake bookings in one day. Um, and, And what I mean by fake bookings is people ringing up or using the online booking system um, booking a table for four and then never showing up and then that table goes to waste. Um, JP McMahon, the well-known yeah. restaurateur who, who'd been a, who, who's been quite a vocal critic of the vaccine search system himself, has said he has started requiring um, customers to give credit card details before taking bookings due to this threat. The third strand is fake reviews, and this is also a big concern for the restaurants groups. And that's the practice of going on review sites such as Google reviews, Facebook reviews, TripAdvisor is the big one, and leaving bad reviews, one-star reviews for places. A nasty, unfriendly place to visit. Very happy to facilitate a two-tier society and discriminate against people. Food well below par. I hope your business suffers and you are forced to close for enforcing this blatant discrimination. Avoid at all costs. A pint of discrimination, please. In such a competitive industry, a few bad reviews can really damage a business, especially in a small town. It can make the difference between, you know, the best um, restaurant in that town to the worst restaurant in that town. And just by looking at these sites, you can see a direct correlation between a premises appearing on one of these boycott lists and then a load of uh, fake reviews appearing online uh, on under various review sites. For example, uh, we found one guy who over the course of five days left 23 one-star reviews for premises all around the country. And the fourth strand, the more tr- most traditional one, it's just threats and abuse. And this is taking the form of abusive comments on social media, nasty emails and phone calls, and in a few instances, even in-person harassment uh, of staff. I spoke to one cafe owner in Galway, Pascal Wren, and uh, he's been affected by that, this campaign. He put up a post saying... We're going to reopen. Here is going to be the rules, that sort of thing. And the avalanche of, of abusive and nasty comments comparing him to the, the Nazis against the Jews during the 1930s. So he actually made the decision 
not to reopen indoors at all because they've already had a few situations where people refused to wear masks and it got a bit nasty. So he um, decided for the sake of his staff that he was going to keep the indoors closed for that little bit longer, just till everything settles down a bit. But of course, isn't there an irony here that only three months ago, many of the people behind these groups on Facebook and Telegram were calling for a great reopening and actually calling on businesses to reopen contrary to the public health guidelines? Yeah, absolutely. There's an irony there. And I suppose to understand it, you nearly have to try and get inside the minds of these people. So for some of them, this is a grand civil rights issue. This is, you know, some of them will will genuinely believe this is their, you know, black people in 1960s uh, America. Some of them would even like like to compare and even some prominent people, unfortunately, uh, in the doll of, of like to compare it to the treatment of the Jews during 1930s Germany. Um, so they believe that they're fighting for, you know, fundamental human rights here. Then to others, this is another bandwagon to jump on. So, you know, you've seen the usual actors on the far right who have tried to exploit other opposition to the pandemic uh, try to use this to grow their numbers by latching on to anti-government sentiment and with, I suppose it's fair to say, with little success to date. How have the far-right Irish Freedom Party been involved in the campaign or have they been involved? Yes, the Irish Freedom Party, which would be very much on the, the right end of the spectrum and its main plank is anti-European sentiment, but it has included a lot of anti-lockdown sentiment in the last year. They're probably one of the most high profile groups to get involved in the call for boycotts. Now, they're calling for boycotts. They haven't been involved in calling for any of these fake bookings or kind of the more extreme measures uh, to be fair to them. But you know, their leader, Herman Kelly, has said there must be consequences for those who have supported and got along with this legislation. And also the businesses, which is which are participating in this draconian legislation, they must feel the heat of boycott by the Irish people. The Irish Freedom Party would like to describe themselves as a very pro-business party. So it's it's quite a statement coming from them. Yeah. And of course, there was a big protest outside the GPO at the end of July. I think you reported that there was around 2,000 people there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that protest and what happened and who was there? So that protest outside the GPO, which occurred after the vaccine cert bill passed through the Oireachtas and was signed by the president, was the was the largest in a series of protests that have taken place over the last couple of weeks. And as with a lot of these protests, you would have had a broad mixture of people. You would have a mixture of people who, you know, a lot of them would have said be opposed to vaccine cert on kind of civil rights grounds and a, a lot of more extreme people as well, though. And you can even see that in the people uh, speaking at these protests. And, and one of those people would be uh, this woman called Dee Wall, who also goes by Dolores Webster, who has kind of made a name for herself as one of the main conspiracy theorists on the far right since the start of the pandemic. And who is Dee Wall and what's she been saying? So Dee Wall is or was a kind of a follower of Gemma O'Doherty, another quite notable conspiracy theorist, used to be a a well-respected journalist and then started building a platform for herself on anti-immigrant and uh, anti-vaccination, etc., etc. So Dewall was a follower and promoter of hers. Recently, she's been trying to carve her own path. And I mentioned at the start there, there's been an uptick uh, in threats against public figures. And some of these have come directly from the mouth of Miss Wall. 
Former President Mary McAleese. I'm not even going to say on here what she needs, because if I do say it, I'll only have the men from the Special Task Crime Unit at my door again. At a protest at the Convention Centre, when the Dáil were voting on the vaccine cert legislation, Wall was uh, videoed addressing the crowd via loudspeaker, saying, you want your vengeance, you can have your vengeance, he said to cheers from the crowd. And I will not open my mouth if you storm the building we're going to, if you take every head out of it and fucking stand on it. And this isn't the first time Wall has alluded to violence in in her uh, addresses to her followers. And she's even attracted the attention of the special detective unit in the past who have visited her. And that followed a, a video she made and she would make would make a, a, several videos a week. Um, she's calling for Michael D. Higgins to be pulled from his house and danced on until there is nothing left uh, of his head. Other posts of concern to security officials have been her posting, posing in a t-shirt. I forgot to show you my new t-shirt. Did you all see it? Depicting her holding a gun above the word D's army. What do you think? Michael Martin, Leo Varadkar, we the people of Ireland are coming for you. Oh yes, we are. We're coming for you. So there's a, a violent undercurrent to a lot of what she says in her online and, and on, offline rhetoric. And is this someone that we need to be taking seriously? Or is this just somebody who's on some class of unhinged conspiracy theorist rant? So I think that's a really good question. How worried do we need to be about Dolores Webster and people like her? I'd say in the grand scheme of things, not very worried. You know, her following is very small. The problem is... There are some people listening to her who Gardy believe wouldn't be averse to getting involved in violence. There's some very unhinged people in that sphere. And all you need is one person to follow through on a threat or to go that one step too far. So someone like her would be too smart probably to get involved in violence herself. But it's about raising the temperature uh, to the extent that someone else might feel nearly authorised to go that far, that they are fighting for our civil rights or what have you, and that justifies attacking a public official or attacking restaurant staff, that sort of thing. Okay, now a lot of the activities, as you say, Connor, appear to have been largely confined to the online space in, in recent times. Do you think there's a danger this could escalate I think there is always a danger there and, and it is something that's on the guard radar and they are monitoring uh, violent rhetoric online as, as they have been doing for years. Uh, and I mean monitoring on public forums rather than hacking anyone's phone or anything like that. But I think the danger is quite minimal, but I think there is always the chance that someone could maybe go off on their own as kind of a lone wolf attack and take it that one step too far and put someone in danger. We have seen that in other countries. Uh, we've seen health officials being targeted. We know Anthony Fauci in America has to get round-the-clock security because of threats against them. We've seen the health officials in, in the UK being harassed. So the danger is there, but I don't think it's something that we need to be losing sleep over necessarily, more something that should be just kept an eye on. But you mentioned there the targeting of public health officials. Some of these people have published the home address and the contact numbers of people like Dr. Tony Holohan and Dr. Ronan Glynn. That surely must be some uh, concern. Absolutely. Uh, this appeared on a Facebook page a few weeks ago, Well, uh, pretty much around exactly the time that the vaccine cert legislation was going through the doll. It was a screenshot showing the address and home number 
of uh, the chief medical officer, Tony Houlihan. And the, the Facebook page has since been removed. There was a Facebook page which was heavily supportive of Dolores Webster and the protests against the vaccine search system. And after that, we got news that Dr. Holohan and his deputy, Ronan Glynn, had been receiving disturbing phone calls on their personal numbers. And I believe Fergal Bowers, the RTE health correspondent, also received some, some disturbing or nuisance phone calls as well. I've spoken to security officials about this who... Uh, even speaking off the record, won't go in to the security measures surrounding senior health officials, uh, which is understandable. But we do know they've been stepped up and that additional security advice has been given to the more prominent public health officials on how to stay safe. So a lot of this has been happening on social media, of course. But what have those companies, the likes of Twitter and Facebook and all the others, been doing to combat the spread of disinformation like this? Facebook have said that they will not allow vaccination disinformation to spread on their website. Now, people have found ways to get around that, such as using code words to talk about vaccines. So, you know, I found a couple of posts in Ireland where they refer to it as vaccines to say don't get the deadly vaccine, they might say, and even using different spellings for nephes and related terms to get around the algorithms that Facebook presumably uses to detect vaccine misinformation or disinformation. But that success, the, the, the measures that they have been taking and the measures YouTube and Twitter have been taking have also seen people migrate to other less regulated pl- platforms. Now, You'll have heard of all these platforms in the US like Gab and Parler, and I think the latest one is Getter. They've yet to gain a foothold in Ireland, but what has gained a very secure foothold is Telegram, which is really popular for organizing campaigns such as these boycott campaigns. And it's largely unregulated, as in you can pretty much get away with saying anything on there, no matter how extreme. Do you think it's likely to get worse in the days ahead? Do you think the campaign against restaurants is likely to be stepped up? No, I don't actually. I think like like a lot of these things, they will die out. Um, thankfully, people who adhere to more extreme entities type of things don't tend to have terribly long attention spans. So I think that this boycott stroke, other tactics campaign, it'll peter out. And hopefully as we get towards the end of the pandemic, as we are hopefully doing, as vaccine rates increase, the COVID search will become a thing of the past anyway, and the, the situation will will solve itself. And just finally, Connor, do you think all of the anti-vaccine sentiment and all of the, the protests against public health regulations are likely to give these far right groups a foothold within our society post-COVID? There's little evidence of that so far. I've been looking at this since quite close to the start of the pandemic and of these tactics of trying to latch on to anti-lockdown and anti-vaccination sentiment. Um, and if you look at any of the polling results, you know, it, it's just not there for them. We had an election just before the pandemic where the far right did absolutely dismal. At least two of them competed in the Dublin Bay South by-election where they did absolutely dismal. There has been more people going out on protests, but most of those people probably don't give a fig about the protest having far right people involved in it, you know, and they're, they're single issue protesters and their issue is, you know, the vaccine cert or other COVID measures rather than anti-immigration or any of the other kind of touchstones for these far right groups. Connor Gallagher, thanks very much for talking to us. In the news, we'll be back soon. <laughs> 